0: Welcome to UberCube, the podcast where we discuss all things cube, but with refreshments. This is your host, Anthony Adams, a.k.a. Uber bear. Thank bear, you. It's just bear. Just for, Uber, bear, it's just Bear. Forget the Uber, it's <laughs> just Bear. And I'm joined by uh, my other uh, loud host to the left of me here. What you got? Hi, this is Stu. How I- y'all doing today? And as always, by our other host. With beautiful Hi, ginger this hair. It's also
1: Stu. Just <laughs> kidding. It's me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell us about that hair, May. It's beautiful. May's done a, a well, bit thanks. of a job. It looks sensational. Sensational. Well, so we've got, uh, we're, we're in that wilds of Eldrain season. Whoa. Right? Whoa. 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 And uh, whoa be me. Yeah, the there's one person a make. heck of a lot more excited than the rest of us. And uh, if there was a set that was ever made for an individual, and th- a cube. And a cube. I think we have found it. It's this one. It's this one. It is this one. This is uh, the Innistrad's for me. This is the uh, Brothers' Wars for me. But now we have the Eldrains, And uh, who was most excited for that?
1: Me. <laughs> I was excited. <laughs> There's no need to sugarcoat it. I'm living for the Wilds of Eldraine. And all during spoiler season, I was just sitting there waiting for the next card. And I'm like, yep. That one's another one that's probably I'm interested in.
2: <laughs> is there a, a a cube by any chance that you may uh, be a, a curator of that uh, that you're particularly excited for the Woe cards? May just just interested.
1: Well, there is a particular cube that I happen to be curating for, and it's called the Fake Cube, May's Fake Cube specifically. <laughs> We've and never heard of it. <laughs> it's it's going to be at CubeCon. Sweet. So, if and- you haven't heard of it, or you have heard of it, I hope to see you there, and I hope to see you uh, drafting the cube. And having fun. and giving me your thoughts. Please give me your thoughts. <laughs> so
0: this is kind of the first episode that we're going to do as a preliminary for the journey to KubeCon 2023. And we're going to kind of interview additional – actually, this is the second one, actually, in fact. But, you know, Removing that statement, uh, what we're going to talk about is preparation for KubeCon, what cards you intend to add, uh, basically what cubes – or excuse me, what cards have come out recently you think you're going to add, and how you're going to get ready for this big audience of 400-plus people – to playtest the fake cube because we've talked about other cubes and how they've uh, how they've
2: evolved and all that kind of stuff, but this one is going to focus definitely on Maze Fake Cube. But also, I think it's going to be a good sort of how to evaluate and look at cards and look at your archetypes when uh, when a new set comes out. So mm-hmm. before we get cracking, let's
0: do what we always do. Anthony brought something special for us today. Tell us what we got here. It is the unofficial Uber Cube. Beer. And it's gonna be Goose Island Beer Company, Neon Beer Hug, IPA in my case. What do you got, Stu? I've got uh, a Goose Island. It's
2: the Juicy Beer Hug IPA. Oh. May, what about yourself?
1: I just have a Kirkland red wine. Nice. As I've That's been good. having for the last few episodes. I, I like my red wine. What can I say?
0: Pizza, So right. simply red. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So as we said before, prepping May's Cube for KubeCon 2023. Stu and I are gonna throw some uh curveballs that are preordained. They're on my sheet, so unfortunately May gets to see them (laughs) unlike she likes to do for me. But we're going to kind of ask some very deliberate questions before we get into the meat and potatoes of what she wants to add or add to the fake cube. Yep. And so, Stu, would you mind taking off this first one here?
2: All right, May. Question number one. No pressure. What, in your opinion, is the best deck to draft to win The fake cube, right? I'm sitting down. I'm like, mate, listen, I have got five grand on this draft with Anthony. Okay. He's betting me that I got to win this. I got to go 6020, whatever the case may be. I want you to tell me how do I sit down? How do I win this cube? What's the archetype? What's the deck that you're telling me to draft?
1: So, the thing about this cube is that I crafted it so that way it's kind of a rock, paper, scissors type meta. So that way you're going to essentially be picking one of these major, um, players. I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it, outside of the best deck is changelings, but you're not going to be able to draft changelings. Period. The changeling deck just does not come together. They are hotly demanded. If somebody isn't there eating their vegetables and you end up with all the changeling cards, you're probably winning that draft.
0: Can we bring our own changelings,
1: May? <laughs> just hide them up your sleeve, it's fine. Um, <laughs> That's but an Anthony strategy, if a I <laughs> <one. laughs> Best contenders at the moment is we have Golgari midrange, which has been a staple of the cube for a while, where it is this black-green value package where it's focused a lot around either party or elves or whatever Golgari value things that you step in. There's a food variant that came out, and... A lot of drafting around that just comes around outvaluing and then hitting your top end and just closing the game with something like Howl of the Night Pack or whatnot. And the next couple decks are things like Mill, which Mill is a little bit in a weaker spot right now just because it's lost its Fractured Sanity, but like Fractured Sanity shouldn't have been the main reason behind that anyways. Rakdos Goblins are a bit faster than Golgari midrange. And they can take over the board really quickly. So, if you really want to go for that aggro package, go for Rakdos Goblins or White Weenie. Both of those are really good. And I would say that the last one would be a of like the most winniest deck that we've had recently. I think it was the Reanimator Control deck, where you had things like Strands of Night, Una. And a bunch of miscellaneous control cards, and you're trying to focus around getting Una close the game. Okay, so it's funny you should mention Una because I'm have, blue because I may, that, I may have flagged that one before as a potential
0: uh, high risk, high reward. type Listen, of card. the last
2: time I drafted the Fake Cube, I drafted a mostly blue. With some Demir. I think I might have even splashed some kind of Soltai, but mostly blue. And mm-hmm. it was, it was very, very strong. I'm pretty sure we may have only played two matches with it, but I won two, but won both games with that. So I'm ex- definitely excited
0: to see how like the blue packages evolve in the it's for sure. It's a
1: very strong archetype. Yeah.
0: So we've talked about the fake cube quite a bit at this. We've done a primer. Please refer to those episodes. May was one of our first guests when we first started doing this. Yep. You know, now she's a mm-hmm. permanent party member here. That's right. Uh, she took on which class, by the way, May, are you warrior? Uh, are you wizard? What's your class? <laughs> oh,
1: I'm a wizard or I sorceress. I go. cool. Shoot, make your pick.
0: <laughs> so one of the questions that I have, and this is for the people going to CubeCon specifically, because people are going to want to sit down and they're going to want to win. But also, the people want to have fun. In your opinion, as the curator of the Cube, which deck is the most fun to pilot? Land Up Red. <laughs> which consists of?
1: So, Land Up Red is essentially a... I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it, but it's this weird package that you don't really see in other environments where you have things like um, Countryside Crusher or Scale Guardian... And you're trying to discard or mill or get your lands into your graveyard to get a bunch of triggers on your countryside crusher or cheat out your uh, or skilled guardian. And then there's just a bunch of other things. There's also the bird combo where you have swans of Bear grills, because I don't remember what his name is. Sorry. <laughs> <Bear Grylls.
0: laughs> but you have
1: swans and then you have the enchantment where you discard land in order to deal two damage. Deal damage to the bird. Draw a new card. Discard another land. Deal two damage to the bird. You, you rinse, repeat.
0: Okay, so we have another question because that's that's going to be mm-hmm. the fun one. Stu, would you mind taking on this next question, the second one here in the line? So I
2: don't have much of an ego in magic, but sometimes I like to make life difficult for myself, just as a kind of test to see how good a drafter I might be, and even a, a good, as good as mm. a player, right? I want to draft the hardest deck. Right. Not only do I want to draft the hardest deck because it might be complicated to play. And maybe that's a bit of a secondary, but I want to draft the hardest deck because it's, it's got the most, like the critical density of cards is the most difficult to obtain in the draft. Maybe there's some value pieces in there that are, that are difficult to get and in high demand. Mm Tell me about how you would draft a deck like that, or what might be a deck that would be the hardest to construct based on that critical mass of those
0: important cards. To put it in perspective, we did a recent episode on Psychographics, did a recent episode yep. on psychographics right? And we talked about mm. the Jennies and Johnnies, and that's kind of what this question's formed before. And the first one is the best deck. I feel like I was modeling that a little bit a towards spike. the Spikey. That's the spike. like that. Yeah, the So spikes, right?
2: would, what would you say? This is more on the Johnny side well, I, would, I think so. Okay, yeah, I like that. So, I have
1: um, a spicy suggestion for you All right orzav humans the reason why is because there's a bit of an it's kind of an enchantment package but black has a lot of built-in tutors like the whole cube has a lot of tutors but white has a lot of enchantment tutors black has a lot of built-in just free tutors and the goal of the deck is that you're trying to put angel of glory's rise in your graveyard fill your deck with a bunch of humans and then play strands of night Essentially what you do is that you can keep playing your humans and build this kind of human toolbox over and over, and there is a really cool thing that you could do with like self-mill stuff and build up your board, and then just as soon as you drop Angel of Glory's Rides, just mass reanimate, get rid of all of your opponent's changelings, and then take over the game. And I've built it a couple times. It's a really, really fun deck. And while I won't say that it is the most consistent to draft, which is the biggest issue... When it does come together, it does feel really, really good.
2: So how many of those pieces would you determine to be value pieces that are just strong individually, strong in other archetypes? Like, you know, you could give it as a percentage or just name some like, you know, high power cards within that archetype that may just be as equally, if not more so strong in other archetypes that might make them difficult to draft.
1: Sure. Obviously, there's going to be a good amount of humans that are just contested because, you know, good cards. And if somebody's trying to draft into, say, white weenies, then you're going to end up in contest for a lot of those human cards. And, of course, changelings being one of the big, overly contested piece. What's cool about Angel of Glory's Rise is that it puts you in a position where if you don't have a lot of changelings, you can actually take advantage of the fact that you don't have changelings. But something like strands of night. It is pretty decent reanimate piece by itself, but once you build a dedicated strands of night deck, which in the case of Orzaz humans it can be a dedicated strands of night deck, then suddenly it turns it makes the Johnny wheel turn.
0: Would you mind telling the audience what Angel of Glory's Rise does, please, May?
1: Sure. Angel of Glory's Rise is a seven cost, it's five white white for Angel, 4-6, Flyer, and when she enters the battlefield, exile all zombies, then return all human creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. What you might not realize at first glance is that while zombies aren't in the cube, changelings are, and changelings are absolutely very, very important for deck building in this environment. So being able to have this top end to... Clear out your opponent's changelings and then get back a bunch of your humans can be a huge payoff. Not only a that, living it death has really good matchup white, against so it's no, really interesting so. in
0: this environment. I like that choice. When you mentioned that, that's a cool line of play that I think kind of talked about recently with David McDarby. How something like Blasphemous Act on face value looks like. Blasphemous Act, you know, do 13 damage to each creature on the board. But when you mm-hmm. start adding in secondary effects to it, suddenly it becomes a damage enabler or a kill spell, right? Something like mm-hmm. Angels of Glory Rise and this has a lot more than just the initial face value. So it would be nice to announce, or I hope listeners are going to be at KubeCon, will pick up on the fact that there are no zombies, but your changelings now get essentially board wiped and then yours can come back. So Kind of building a really cool living death engine here. I like yeah, it a lot. like that. On a card that doesn't look like that on face value. Very interesting.
1: And what's particularly nasty with Strands of Night is that repeated reanimate. It doesn't matter if they answer the Angel of Glory's Rise. At that point in the game, you've already, you've already created a position where you've won. You have your Strands of Night, you have your Angel of Glory's Rise in the graveyard. At that point, it's just a matter of accruing value before your opponent can, you know, respond. Interesting. So as we talked
0: about, Wilds of Eldraine has come out, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I wanted to have an open discussion that will kind of feed into this as we talk about the Fade Cube as it is now and what mm-hmm. it will become before KubeCon 2023 or what you're going mm-hmm. to test. But your initial thoughts on, whoa, do you feel like it's helpful just as a 40,000 feet? Is it beneficial to the cube or is it creating? Oh, yeah, it's filling in a lot of gaps.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel like that I've had a lot of problems with the fake cube where there are specific niches of cards that I'm looking for that didn't exist yet. And there were a lot of cards that fit that specific niche that I was looking for that came out in Wilds of Eldraine that I almost want to say were kind of made cube. <laughs> <laughs> and I
2: know how particular you are about the flavor of this cube, mm-hmm. right? You're, you are quite unwilling to, ble- to break the flavor and just like the vibe of this cube just for a necessary card that might like mm-hmm. really help an archetype out, but if it doesn't fit, you've always said that like the vibe is just so important to
0: this cube, right?
1: Oh, it absolutely is. There are currently two cards I think that break the flavor,
0: but we'll get to those. We have some that we've we'll actually identified those. as we go through the yep. notes here. So since this is a new set and we're in pre-release mm-hmm. season and price evaluations are out, that was gonna be a question that I was gonna ask you. I know from previous conversation that I think it's $2, right? And that your cap to make the accessibility Mm -hmm. to people that want to copy and clone the fake cube?
1: A lot of people make clones of the fake cube. I get a notification at least once a week of somebody else who just made a clone of the fake cube. And this isn't me stroking my ego. It's more of consideration that I have to make as a curator of people are looking for a good cube that they can make for cheap, that they can enjoy with people, and when updates come out... They don't have to drop a lot of money into it. And that was a huge consideration when I was making it, making a lot of the changes.
0: So I guess the question is, when this new set comes out, what if a card is suddenly becomes impactful in another structured gameplay of Magic? Like, it goes legacy, or goes vintage, or goes modern, right? Then it's out. It's out. Okay, it's that, it's that simple. But right now, in pre-release season, if you see a card for 49 cents, you say, gimme, Right but yep. if it spikes up to two dollars and50 cents in the next four weeks because of a tournament it's um, out is that the yep that's the yep. rule of thumb
2: do you give yourself yep, a bit of a time thumb. threshold based on the fact like like you say this is a pretty famous cube at this point right it's been cloned a bunch of times a lot of people are very very familiar with it you update this cube I know that there's been times where we've been chatting on the discords and the socials like updated the mm-hmm. fake cube again. Three hours later, yeah, I bought some more cards for the fake cube again. And then the next day, I'm like you know what? I totally redesigned this entire archetype of the fake cube again. Do you give a little bit of time? like Because, yeah, sometimes cards can go spiky and sometimes they can drop again based on, you know, demand for whatever reason. Do you give yourself a little bit of time between when a card might potentially spike before you might think about taking it out?
1: Yeah, I tend to give it a bit of time, but usually the cases where it stays at high value, it's because of a lack of reprints rather than a demand for other formats, Yeah, is the best way that I can put it. So, I used to have, like, Tangle in this cube. I'm not going to go into what the card actually is, because I used to have a TurboFog package, right? And... Tangle used to be around, like, a little less than $2, but then it started seeing Popper Play, it started getting into other formats, people started putting in their EDH decks, whatever, whatever the behind factors of why Tangle got so expensive, the root cause of why it kept going up is because no reprints.
0: I can see that with this cube, like, when you said Popper Play, and that being a legitimate format, that a lot of times Mm -hmm. that can kind of assault your price tag, right? Because you do seem to lean into a lot of uncommon and common-type cards, right? And mm-hmm. I can see where some of that competitive play, even though it's softer competitive, could definitely drive up some of the prices and just take them out of your uh, threshold.
1: Oh, like, Spellstarter Sprite is the only major exception to the price point because that card is so important for what the cube represents and what it does. Plus, it's also just my favorite art. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say, maybe
2: this is a little, like... Standard, I think, has kind of dropped off a little bit. At least from the discussion that I've seen online on the socials, mm. there doesn't seem to be the vibe and the discussion and the enthusiasm as much about standard as like I, you know, years ago, I used to remember everybody talking about every set and all the discussion was about standard. A little bit about the other sixty-card eternal formats, which is unfortunate. It is. It's very unfortunate because I think a healthy standard is such a good place for for Magic to be. But Mm -hmm. now with Modern, which also, you know, definitely Modern saw, you know, some improvements and some cards that would be impactful. And we've definitely seen, in my opinion, significant changes over the last few sets for Modern. I don't know if anything from this set or as much from this set is maybe going to be super impactful for Modern. Legacy, Vintage, almost certainly not. So maybe it's nice when we've got sets like this that are just incredibly thematic. They don't have to be super off the, uh, you know, off the charts when it comes Mm. to the power level, but things like this, I think are really custom made for like your, like for your cube. Let's just put it out there. This whole set was just made for, for, for May's (laughs) fake cube. You know, it's just perfect. So the the prices are going to stay reasonable. Everyone should just go out there and and clone this cube for sure.
0: So Eldrain came out in 2019, right? And it was Uh more of a Camelot meets Grimm's fairy tales type of. That was the flavor win for that one. this one's more kind of, of yeah. a little bit of Camelot, but not a whole lot, but a lot more candy land, which is interesting, like it's very sugar rush candy it's <laughs> it's gummy bears fighting back. I don't know it's weird all these the art's there, amazing but there my... is
1: certainly an aspect to that because of the plot line with Hansel and Gretel, you know rest in peace, Hansel, but what uh <laughs> too soon, may too soon. <laughs> <laughs> But what's important to keep in mind is that the wilds of Eldraine is a kind of sub realm of Eldraine. And when it comes to the lore of Eldraine, which, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff behind that that I'm not going to get into right now because, you know, my fake cube isn't just Eldraine, but Eldraine is a big part of the fake cube. It's and can- when it comes to the Candyland esque pieces, a lot of them I'm kind of passing over because. They're not quite what I am looking for in terms of flavor because they don't really contribute much to the fairy tale esque ideas. It's just more of an expansion of that Eldrain lore and specifically with those characters with Gretel.
0: Yeah, I felt the same way. Uh, I looked at Uber Bear's Horror Cube and actually, as we speak, have no additions to that from this set, even though some of these pieces of candy are pretty horrific it just felt like a flavor fail when i'm trying to do this gothic horror type thing. Best horror cube. Yeah. That's just and i'm just like not going to have an a donut in there with a bunch of zombies. So there's that, right? <laughs>
1: like <laughs> let me make it clear. I love the candy monsters. I think that they're great. I love the design of them. I just love what they're trying to do with it. I want to shove as many as i can into my food deck just because it's hilarious. But when it comes to the context of the fake cube and my environment it's just not quite what i'm looking for when a lot of those pieces um i would rather have something else in that spot
2: i think this so. that actually leads us into our next point here weaponizing food right so this mm-hmm. is something that's obviously a big part of of your cube a lot of food related cards in there i will say the first time i saw i saw the food i was like oh cool An matter of fact you get to you know, sack and gain three life. That's interesting. Obviously, there's much more that can be exp- expanded on with with the fake Cube and with uh, you know plenty of other cards that have been that have come out since food has really been popularized. What are you doing with food, and how has food as a as a as a type been impacted by this new set?
1: So, food as a kind of archetype thing has been expanded a lot in the last few years because we've gotten a lot of food cards, especially from, like, Lord of the Rings, and food itself is not really a cornerstone mechanic to the cube, but it is one of the most important contexts for both Eldraine and the cube because food is a key element in a lot of fairy tales. It's a big part of what makes these fairy tales, well, fairy tales. And it's easy to make decisions like... Replacing sign and blood for for foreboding fruit, right? Where foreboding fruit is just the same thing but worse. But if you pay three black, then you also get a food. And trying to figure out ways to make those tokens matter has been the biggest challenge behind it. Where I wanted to add those occasional little life gain triggers. Because there's there's a bit of life gain in here. There's like lifelink and various life gain triggers when creatures enter the battlefield, gain life, whatever. Plus you have the built-in food. I'm trying to build in that overlap with the life gain. But I'm also trying to overlap the fact of these tokens matters and trying to make those tokens feel impactful when they hit the board rather than just existing as a thing to gain life. I would agree with that. Makes uh, sense. A, another one too besides the food that's become
0: prevalent, there's a couple of things that they put forward in this set was actually the party mechanic was heavily supported if not said, you know, directly. There's still a lot of cards in here that support your present party mechanic that you support in the fake cube. Uh,
2: I was actually mm. going to say we talked about this just while we were pre-gaming is that so much there's so much extra support now because of the the types that are now Included multiple times on the same card, which just allows for so much of an expansion with the party mechanic as well.
0: Which includes clerics, rogues, warriors, and wizards. Following that D and D set, well, right? cleric,
2: rogue, Gate. warriors, and mays. Because Maze yeah, taken maze. the wizard, yep. so we're gonna just yeah, that's what we're gonna
0: call it.
1: But uh, to give context, it didn't come out with the D and D set. It came out with Zendikar Rising. You are correct, and which was odd. By the the way. reason why I added party into this context, even though. Zendikar Rising, that doesn't seem very tale esque. Well, it's because Morningtide and introduced those subtypes as a thing that matters. And the other cornerstone of my environment are the Lorewing cards. And what Party does as a subtype enabler is something that no other mechanic replaces because it overlaps four different subtypes in a way that other sets have tried to do but failed and when you look back at like how Lorwyn struggled as a set in terms of his drafting environment etc the biggest issue with typal themes is that they don't have a lot of overlap and they put your drafter a lot on rails party opens up those subtypes in a way that's creative inventive etc if you end up trying to draft wizards and somebody else tries to also draft wizards right then You don't have to give up on those wizards that you drafted. Just because you're no longer in that lane, now you can switch over to the party lane and take advantage of the things that you've already drafted instead of keep fighting for those pieces. Or in the other context of, oh, you were trying to draft one thing, but you decided to draft a different thing, or these are the pieces that just ended up coming your direction anyways... And party lets us blend those secondary subtypes in a very organic way that makes it so that way we can care about the primary subtypes, goblins, fairies, humans, whatever, and then care about the secondaries, which are the kind of classes, if you will. And while it doesn't make thematic sense in the top down theme of, hey, this isn't very fairy tale, it makes sense in the grander scheme of, Lorwyn and Morningtide are important parts of this set. And making subtypes matter in this environment is really and really important. So
0: so besides food and besides enhancing the party mechanic without actually putting mm-hmm. it on paper, right? The adventure right. mechanic came back. Love adventure. Which is typically an or sorcery attached to a creature that you put into exile when you cast the or sorcery. Mechanic. And then later... Cast a secondary cost if you wish to bring it back as a creature or and mm-hmm. or you can just choose to cast a creature. Yep. Huge fan of that modal type aspect of cards. Mm-hmm. So much so that even a card that may cost seven on the creature side that may not look so great, suddenly you look on the left-hand side and they have a, a two CMC instant. instant. That's absolutely amazing. Yep. And what I saw mm-hmm. they did this time around is they did multicolored adventures. Had they done that <laughs> wow. previously? That was different, right? Before yeah, they were in new. the same lane. That's, that's Brenda. Yep. Yeah. I think that's brand new. Yep. That is a whole new level. So, before we even really dive into that any deeper, as you look at those, are you going to evaluate them as their instant and sorcery or and or their creature, or are you going to try to put them in a gold slot, if you add them?
1: So, a, when I add them, they are not taking a gold slot, period. Because when people are trying to play these cards, they're either going to be trying to play for one half or the other, or both halves. And... You kind of treat them in the same way as hybrid cards in a way where, sure, say if we have a Selesnia hybrid card, that sure, you could play Put play this Selesnya card in the Selesnia deck, but you could also play it in mono white or you could play it in mono green. And you kind of have to treat any of those adventure cards in the same lane. And I will note with the fake Cube is that it is very easy to end up in three color decks. And that is by design. So being able to enable some of these adventures and the creature payoffs is pretty easy to do. So turning your Rakdos goblins into, say, Jund goblins isn't so far of a step away.
0: So as we move into Wilds of Eldraine, Mm -hmm. I was looking at your TLDR and your recent updates because I know you want to do very managed updates so that you're not, you know, you have a lot of followers and you don't want to keep upsetting the fake cube and unstabilizing it for other players that are trying to clone it and copy it. I get that. I respect Mm. that. A lot of eyes on it. Right. But you Mm. recently did a land cycler package. Do you want to talk about that please? And what your intent was your, your design goals?
1: Sure. So this is a decision that I thought about since Lord of the Rings came out. And essentially they came out with a cycle of land cycling for one. And that's a big deal. That is the equivalent of having an evolving wild with a creature step stapled on, and it's been a point of contention for me because Lord of the Rings it is an important piece of fiction and it has a very large following. It's not what the fake cube is, so when I include these cards, they have to be very responsible with their inclusion because it's not what the fake cube trying to represent. But it also tends to tie in a lot of these themes while being adjacent enough to my storytelling, whatnot, that it's interesting and engaging. And sometimes you have to make those decisions based on gameplay. So when I was going to make this decision, I've been considering the land package specifically for from Dominaria United, and they are a bunch of ta- lands that come in tapped, but they have two land types and they're commons. I have been considering on those for a while just because introducing kind of lands matters themes into cubes is interesting and cool and engaging. But I haven't had a reason to move it into the fake cube because we haven't really had a way to do it on to like grab those on a budget and make those matter. And the gain lands that I used to have filled that role well enough that I didn't have a reason to swap. But after careful consideration with the land cycler package, I already support cycling just as. Not really sub theme, but like as a mechanic in this cube. So it wasn't too far removed for me to take all these land land cyclers and put them into the cube because a lot of these land cyclers happen to organically fit into what all these colors are already doing. So that it was very full and responsible when i did add it in even if it wasn't particularly the flavor that i was wanting to have
2: i will take them like i value them quite highly in a cube like this and when i'm drafting because as i've spoke about many times on other episodes i love cards that have the ability to fill two roles right and this could be Mm -hmm. i just want to take this card and i want to dump it and i want to get a land job done Mm -hmm. that's all i need to get out of this card but it also fills that need of potentially filling in a top end slot that I might need. So mm-hmm. from this kind of like, I think this adds a nice extra level of consistency both at the very low end, the utility end, and also because a lot of these have got quite a high CMC requirement, right?
0: The casting cost can be right. quite high, so they they fill a nice they fill a nice spot for me. I like them. And the cards we're referring to are Eagles of the North, Lauren Revealed, Troll of Kazadum. Dum, dum, kazak, Yep, we'll get it close enough. <laughs> Oliphant and Generous Int. And I do know that a lot of popper players rejoiced here and peasant players or cube curators, excuse me. They rejoiced because you could then fetch out the dual common lands that came out recently that yep. have actual types on them. They so they can fetch types, mm-hmm. uh, i.e. the, Troll of Kazadum can actually fetch out a swamp specifically, and yep. it makes it really powerful. So it does play a really light role as a fetch, but you can also pitch it to your yard to get that, cycle it out, and it has swamp cycling on it, and then you can go and reanimate it later. Yeah. So it's these these cards are very powerful, and I know that our good friend Samich added most of these, if not all of them, to his environments that were lower power. They're great fixing. And they're fantastic. They're great fixing. Being able to go, like you said, those lands that have those two types... That's
2: incredible value to be able to get from a card that can also like. And they're seeing some the competitive
0: play as well too. I've seen that where they are. are trying to find they're living,
2: uh, the living, the living living death. One of those. Pa- I mean, they've recently like any card like that. You just put a couple of lands out, just start dumping those in. Now you're getting more lands and filling the graveyard with big creatures, which is exactly what you want. So they kind of work perfectly for an archetype like that.
0: So some of the other changes you did, and we're going to talk about sure. this extensively, we'll just kind of jump to it, is Riptide Laboratory. Yeah,
2: this was taken out for Wanderer's Twig. And tell us about your comments in, uh, in in the primer, because you say this is a bit of a flavor fail? Question mark?
1: So Riptide Laboratory obviously is like this sort of studious laboratory that a bunch of Wizards on Dominaria are using for research, etc., Mm -hmm. and it is very explicitly a Dominaria-type land, which isn't quite the flavor that I'm going for, but it kind of adjacently goes with the DMU lands that I already have. I already have some of these kind of soft themes with this technology anyways, but... Ultimately, Riptide Laboratory is more of a functional role than it is a flavor role, and sometimes you just gotta bite the bullet for what makes good gameplay, because the overall experience in flavor of the cube is not going to be negatively impacted because, ooh, a mystical laboratory exists, like, we have this in Legend of Zelda, of like, a laboratory that people were just, uh this one wizard guy, I can't remember his name, but... He was literally studying the ocean of Lake Hylia. Like that is a very fantasy thing. It's not so far removed that I'm willing to not bend for it.
0: That's fair. So Riptide Laboratory, for those that aren't familiar, I believe they reprinted it in. Is this Modern Horizons? That, this one's from Modern Horizons yes. too. That we're going to have on the show. It's a land notes. that yeah. taps for one colorless, and then you can also tap one colorless and or one generic and a island tap return target wizard you control to its owner's hand this card's nuts the one thing i'm just gonna put this right out there this card's nuts yeah it's busted and but the one thing that does qualify for the fake cube and i don't know if you caught this in this particular art may but i wanted to point it out that in the art that you that you have provided inside of your cube it has dr seuss's one fish two fish red fish blue fish (laughs) literally does it you see it look at the art.
1: It does. (laughs) <laughs> I'll
0: take it. <laughs> so now I'll it actually, it. flavor pass. <laughs> so we have concerns about this card. I in particular have some very, and I actually ran your numbers on wizards. And I, I actually protested when you added this in to begin with. Oh, you did. I did. And of your 466, you have 33 wizards. But I'm going to redact my statement a little bit. At first, I was looking at it as abusing ETBs. Right? I was thinking that because this environment's slow enough that I could do an Archaeomancer loop. I'm not, I'm, I I will look at it. All right. I'm going to step
2: in. I will look at this as being able to abuse ETBs because I love to abuse ETBs. But you know what I also like to do? I like to be able to protect my creatures at instant speed. I like to be able to, oh, what, what are you trying to do to my wizard there? Hey, hands off. I'm going to riptide that right back to my hand. And then I get the ETB on top of it, which is, you know, I, look. Wizards, blue cards, love me some blue cards, love me some wizards.
0: This has got the ability to make your wizards just nigh on impossible to get off the battlefield. As my challenge point, you have Riptide Laboratory in here, which allows me to break your Archaeomancer over and over again. Any thoughts about that, May?
1: So, so here is my counter-argument for why it should be included, and why it's okay to be included. As you've noted before, that this environment is a little slower than you would expect. However, however, not only are you paying the one in the blue to protect your wizard or loop your ETPs or whatever you're trying to do, that is an additional two mana that you're having to pay on top of whatever your wizards are, and none of the wizards that are valuable enough to bounce or save are cheap enough that it matters. Like, if you had a bunch of two and three drop wizards that are dangerous and impactful... In this environment, then, yeah, sure, Riptide would be a problem. But the main one is, like, Una, but paying effectively 8 mana every turn to play Una Protector Una is rough. And that's, like, the biggest example that I can think of, because Una's a great win con in this environment. And when you build a deck specifically around bringing out Una, winning the game, etc., and then having, say, Riptide Laboratory to bring it back a lot of mana at that point and the game needs to end when you're at that much mana
2: <laughs> what about something like pondering mage
1: right sir uh, seven mana because you're paying five for the uh mage right has that no built-in correct. evasion or anything and then you're paying an additional two to potentially bounce it back hold up counterspell etc exactly like i are not at seven mana you should be thinking about how you're closing the game, anyways. I don't
2: disagree, but I'm not necessarily as worried about like doing it on the same turn. Yeah, sure. If right. it, if I'm having to protect it on the same turn, then it's a little unfortunate. But I'm also thinking I can play this card for five. I can look at the top three cards. It's, it's Ponder basically, right? So it's three right. colorless and two blue for a, for a human wizard three, four with Ponder attached to it on ETB. I don't know if I'm necessarily as concerned about having to protect it on that turn. If a creature gets mm-hmm. killed that way, okay, sure. Then I go on and I play the next wizard. That's a pretty impactful sure. one because it has a, a, an amazing ETB uh, effect Which and I it's a decent it. size. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I did draft it. I drafted it for a good reason. It's powerful. But is that the only like look, what about Windrider Wizard or, you mm-hmm. know, Overwhelmed Apprentice, like or a Sprite, right? We talked about that as well. Like right. the, I think there's I, I think there's a lot of very, very strong wizards that I am going to be disappointed if they get killed before I get a chance to use the Riptide Laboratory. But once I get a, a wizard that's powerful, that I can stick for a turn cycle, that's that's sure. going to be quite a, a, a strong effect to get around for my
0: opponent. And one more counterpoint is in the original episode when we first talked about the Fake Cube, I kind of poo-pooed on Cruel Ultimatum at the time and said that your mana mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to do it. Not even a couple of weeks later when our good friend Christian built the fake cube, I pulled off Cruel made them multiple times in a game, looping it, right? For a card that had impossible mana to form up because your environment is slow enough that I was able to build the thing. Apologies again for the umpteenth time. But <laughs> I would argue the same thing with Riptide Laboratory as a final push here on this is that that mana achievement's not very hard to do in this environment because the no. games are slow enough if you're not getting pressured I will, as a person, being completely honest, attempt to break this card. And I thought it was best to flag it now.
1: So, I think the scariest thing that you can combine it with was would be the Spellstutter Sprite. Because with Spellstutter Sprite particularly, spending four mana, Spellstutter Sprite doesn't quite have a way to answer. But what's neat about Riptide Laboratory is because it is so powerful and it does pull people into the wizard lane... It was exactly what I needed for that role. Because as of, as of that update, I got a lot of comments and a lot of feedback about wizards' kind of existence in the cube. And their issue was that while there was a lot of support and there's like a wizard cycling card, there's a bunch of really cool wizards, there wasn't really a wizard payoff, and Riptide Laboratory turns your wizards into an engine... And I think that that is an interesting build direction that I would like to see developed. If it ends up being a problem, it's something that I could explore later to be removed. But I think that in the current state of the metagame, that by the time that this thing establishes to be a problem, other decks are also doing scary things around that time. So we'll see if it's a problem. I'm going to keep an eye on it, but I think that what it does is worth exploring.
2: I agree, but I will say I am going to force the heck out of that the next time I draft at KubeCon. Super excited. If for nothing else, it's just, it looks like a super cool and fun way to play a deck in your cube, right? I, I like mm-hmm. the wizards. I like getting the repetitive value. So, um, yeah, I'm the excited. The assault
0: of uh, Redfish, uh, Two Fish, all that. Red the fish, assault two on two Dr. Two Seuss's fish. laboratory is now over. So, May made a wish, right? Your fairy godmother looked up one night, saw your star, <laughs> made your wish. And May said,
2: I, Please, fairy godmother, please, let me have a fae Lord. And. For my faking, <laughs> please.
0: May, would you mind uh, telling us about this first wish that came through?
1: So, I will note that it ended up being in actual like Wizards employees' comments where they're like, hey, what are the kinds of things that you're looking for in the next Eldrain, next Lorwyn, etc. And I've responded to each of those being like, where's my fairy lord? I want to play a real fairy lord. Please. <laughs> and we got three of them with Wild of Eldraine, but one of them I'm actually in I'm actually interested in the thank you It's obriera the Dreaming Duelist. He is a blue and a black, fairy warrior, two two, with flash and flying, already face value, very, very playable. And whenever another fairy enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life. That is a fantastic lord. <laughs>
2: I can't wait to draft fairy wizards with Riptide Laboratory and just keep bouncing this uh, is a fairy, fairy wizards This is back. a
0: warrior, though, so we don't get to do that here. Let's don't start breaking Riptide just yet. Well, it's a,
2: I'm, I'm going to bounce
0: fairy wizards, <laughs> not just wizards. We're so
2: excited about wizards,
1: breaking surely. the
0: laboratory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm really excited for it, too. I hope you do. And what's really nice is that we haven't really had a fairy warrior before. We've had fairy rogues, we've had fairy wizards, we've had like fairy artificers, whatnot, but we haven't really had a fairy warrior yet, and he fits that slot perfectly. On face value, just a 2-2 with flash flying that can just come in. A bear with flash flying is very relevant. I can't and fly. And one of the key aspects for these of <laughs> themes, sorry, but uh, one of the key aspects for these of themes is making sure that it is playable enough at face value that people are willing to play it outside of its typo deck. And this it's does
2: great. its role. No, yeah. uh, no one's going to complain about a two-two with flash that flies and hits for two. I, I couldn't agree more. I think this card is bananas, and I love it. Flavor art, uh, like the the. I, I think it's almost a little undercasted. Just black blue for what you're getting out of it, but I think it's. I think it's incredibly good.
0: All right, so may put a wish up. To the fairy godmother and the fairy godmother presented a bunch of gifts and not all the gifts came to fruition, correct, May? And one of these was Tegwill's Scouring. And for four colorless and two swamps, you get a sorcery. You may cast Tegwill's Scouring as though it had flash by tapping three untapped creatures you control with flying in addition to paying right. its other cost. Destroy all creatures. Create three one one black fairy rogue creature tokens with flying. Now, uh, so the fairy godmother giveth. And the fairy, fairy godmother, godmother takes take away. May would you mind explaining why this is not going into the environment? Because this looks perfect. It looks so good. Oh, why it, it is including perfect. It? It's
1: great. The problem is I got what I asked for, not what I wanted. <laughs> 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 so it is six mana board, right? That you can cast that into speed. Fantastic. Plus, it makes three flyer, specifically flying fairy rogues, which is fantastic. I love seeing those tokens pop up. But the card is five dollars. <laughs>
0: Oh. I'm hoping
1: that it gets less attention over time, but the biggest issue is that it's coming with the precon, and the precon's really good, and I'm not sure if that price is ever really going to come down. So I
2: I, I would eh. I, I would agree, and the reason is even though you know I'm I look I've played Magic for long enough that board wipes are kind of I look at them in that four manner, preem verdicts, and so on and so forth. This is six mana, which is, I don't want to say in the unplayable, but it's certainly in the lower power when it comes to a board wipe because of that additional mana cost. But the fact that you, it has flash on it is the reason why, unfortunately, I'm very sorry, but I just, I don't see this card coming down in, in popularity or demand unless it gets reprinted. The fact that you can do that at, at instant speed and get some board presence as well. It's very unfortunate. I think flavor wise, it's incredible. Love the oh, art. Fantastic. I Think it would be wonderful for your cube, but I, I just don't see it coming down.
0: May what if I buy Here's- this card for you and then I give you a bill of sale for zero dollars? You would have to buy that <laughs> for everybody who copies this cube. Exactly. I got bad Damn news. it! How many?
1: How many? How many clones are we up to right now? It's about five hundred. So you can basically <laughs> yeah. cost you about fifteen hundred dollars. It's not side. bad. It's not bad. <laughs> I don't know how many because a lot of them went private. So.
0: May, there's another yeah. card on here that I adore. This art. Oh, I love this one. Would you mind telling the audience your other actual pick that I believe you conclude She's excited.
1: I can. It's Fairy Bladecrafter. It is two and a black for Fairy Rogue, 2-2 two, two Flyer, and whenever one or more fairies you control, deal combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on Fairy Bladecrafter. When it dies, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life where X is its power. So there are two major reasons that I love this card. One is that it's another fairy payoff, and, well, sorry, there's three major reasons. One is that it's a fairy payoff. Secondly is that it involves a plus one plus one counters, which I have a specific card in black that puts plus one plus one counters on rogues when they enter, and when things with plus one plus one counters deal damage, then they discard a card, and... Third is that it fills my three mana slot, which has been lacking. It fits a very particular niche in my cube that I've needed for so long is just I need a windrake fairy in here. So
0: <laughs> And the art looks like my teenage son today who's going to school tomorrow and he's <laughs> super not excited. The emo just like <laughs> it's really going on.
2: Fairy blade, Ma- sorry, fairy blade crafter is like waiting outside a Fallout Boy concert or something <laughs> like that. It does feel like I that, that fairy does not look they happy with menace. life yeah, yeah, it needs menace. That's what it needs. It needs menace. This, this creature, <laughs> flying menace for for two and a black Fallout I Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the next one in the list, right? So this one, I actually love the art on this one. make collapse. I, I know. So where? Just tell us from the top. Where does this fit? Why? And tell me why I should love that third ability so much.
1: So Stingblade Assassin is a three and a black for a fairy assassin, flash flying three one. Which face value, playing for mana for a flash flyer three one is pretty good rate. It's awesome. It's a fantastic awesome. raid. That's playable on its own. But this set, this third effect that has been experimented with a long time, we've had a lot of variations of this these effects that I have not included in any other cube. This is going to be the first, and probably going to be the only. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls that was dealt damage this turn. Obviously, Ravenous copper is the king of hey, it's four mana creature, enters the battlefield, destroys target creature, but... Chupacabra doesn't belong in the fake heap. Stingblade the Fat Assassin is our four drop fairy that is a three one turn sideways, just on face value. Perfect card. And you can sometimes just not, uh What's the word I'm looking for? Merc. Yes, thank you. Just completely destroy somebody's creature. And oh, it, it's going to feel so good in this environment. It may not be a rogue but it doesn't have to be because of what it does.
0: And it's kind of got those massacre girl vibes. I love it. I love this art so much. Oh yeah, I dig it. Oh, I got I'm thinking about I might add this to the fam. This is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it's phenomenal. And
2: again, right, seems to be a common theme that we're talking about with these cards. Four mana for a 3 power flash flyer is such incredible value. I love that third ability because I'm always looking for the gravy, right? I love my roast mm-hmm. chicken. I love my steamed vegetables. But I want the gravy. And that is just a little bit of gravy on something that already has so much uh, impact to the ability to be impactful. You know, I want to put it down. I'm happy to put this down on turn four, even if it's not impacting the board right away. I'm not destroying necessarily yeah. a creature. I don't have to. I'm not drawing a card. But the fact that I'm immediately getting this this 3-1 flyer and I have the potential to, to destroy a creature... I love it. Love it so much. All so, right.
1: I do love the fact that this is an evolution of not only that trend of cards, but there was literally a card that came out in, uh, I think it was Baldur's Gate, and it was just Manticore. And it's basically the same card as this, but it's a 2-1 Flash Flyer. That one extra power makes it playable. Yes. And I love that.
2: And Chupacabra is a 2-2. It's on the ground. Oh, yeah. I, I'd, I'd, I'd much rather have a 3-1. It flies... It's, oh, it's yeah. such a, a strong aggro card love as Love well. it.
1: All right. Great card.
2: I want to talk about this next one because we're onto some blue cards, and everybody mm-hmm. knows I love blue cards. Tell us about, and I'm just going to, the name of this, this is Into the Fey Court. Tell us about love this it. one and why, to me, this is, I would say in all the cards that we've got in our show notes, and again, to all of our listeners, please go and check out the show notes in the socials. This, for me, is like top three quintessential cards for this cube i love it so much
1: i have no idea how i'm gonna fit it in but, but you i'm will. gonna fit it in <laughs> i will it's going in somehow some way it is three blue blue sorcery draw three cards which it's an okay rate for draw three cards but you also get to create a one one blue fairy creature token with flying and it can only block creatures with flying i don't like that it introduces a new fairy type a new fairy token i guess but being able to draw three cards, and make a fairy is a really good value at five mana. And anything that can make fairies on the sorceries or instance is something that I'm interested in including. And even though it is a new, like a third fairy token for me to care about, it does an important role. You bring up a
0: good point, too. Me as a curator, when I'm evaluating cards, like recently with Uber Bear's Artifact Cube, I'm looking at a lot of cards that have come out recently, even in this set, and it may Uh say that it's making a 1-1 human or it's making a spirit or whatever in the recent sets. And I just don't want to increase the volume of tokens. So sometimes a card does not go in or the token has a special ability, And I want to do a plug for our good friend, John, John Terrell from Cultic Cube. That's right. The Cultic Bestiary. If you have these oddball, interesting tokens, a lot of times I go straight to John. Yes. I go to the Cultic Bestiary. I order them from his Etsy site and I get what I need, right? Because Uh a lot of times these are going to be chase cards and hard to find if you didn't open open up in packs. And on that note too, you know, I just want to limit the volume of tokens. It creates just this... It stops the game a lot of times, like, hey, I need this token, Anthony, I need this token. We did it Mm -hmm. recently, we went to our charity event, and I'm the token guy running around just passing out tokens, it inhibited play play a little bit. It's It's a little exhausting. I do miss the days of the basic tokens, I really do. Mm
1: -hmm. I will also note that when it comes to my environment is that I have all the tokens actually in sleeves, so that way when it comes up, I don't have to pull out my Infinity Tokens great product, but not sponsored, just a great product. But it could but be. I like having the physical tokens. And it is difficult when we have unique tokens like this because it introduces new tokens into my environment that now I have to have into my fake Cube container as well. And when it comes to adding a lot of token complexity, and I have made a specific rule for the fake Cube of I only want 10 tokens. Of, I am not going to break more than 10 tokens because it reduces the complexity. It makes it so that way the tokens that we see are kind of understood amongst all the players because you're going to see the same tokens, whether or not you're playing it or your opponent's playing it. And having that consistency is important, even though some of the variations are things like goblin versus goblin rogue, fairy versus fairy rogue. And It's one of the big reasons why I didn't include a lot of the roll cards from this set. All the roll cards would be fantastic in this cube. But it's not a mechanic that I'm interested in including because I already have so many tokens that I don't want to introduce another one on top of that. So even though this introduces a new token, I think what it does is valuable enough for my environment that it is worth including. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cultic Bestiary. Do a search for it. And you can find any interesting token you want. And John's want. tokens are John's incredible. Are they're stunning. beautifully
2: made. He, uh, John, really does have like his own way of creating them, and the art that's on them, and the text that's on them. They're very, they're just very classically created. I love them. I've got, I've got a bunch of them. They're
0: right. conversation starters for sure. If you're going to pass out tokens, might as well talk about them.
2: The reason why, and I will say, going back to into the fake or the reason why I like this is, it is a draw three. Even if this was one CMC less, potentially even two CMC less, and only draw two cards and create the fairy token, I don't know if I would quite love it as much, but the fact that it does draw the three cards and create the token, it can only block creatures with flying, but going up, we'll get to the next card in a second, but going back to the Stingblade Assassin, that's a 3-1 flyer. Three power is a lot, that can end games very quickly, Now you've got a a way to be able to deal with that. And also with the next card, May, tell us about the next card. and This one can also deal with that.
1: Mocking Sprite. It is two and a blue for a 2-1 flying fairy rogue. And all instants and sorceries you cast cost one less. Love that. And I love those cost reduction effects. I think they're fantastic. They work with the adventures, They work with your spell slinging stuff. And it's a fairy rogue. There's not a lot else to say here outside of it's a pretty perfect fit for my environment.
0: And the next one you have on your list, this one's ridiculous. And it's Odras? Abira? Abira. Abira's attendant. for four Obris. colorless and an island. You get a creature, fairy wizard, three-four on the non-adventure side, but you also get the adventure portion, which I love is desperate party for one colorless and a blue. You get an instant adventure. Target creature gets minus four, minus zero until the end of turn. And then you do the adventure and you push it out. But like that ability to shut down combat or to do a combat trick on top of a three, four flyer for five. Is ridiculous. I mean, this—it's funny how—and this is a common. That's what's really interesting. We talked about the power creep on our power on the horizon episode, and this is just further expands that idea. Now we've got these modal cards that do the thing. If you think about the way back when, you paid that for a three-four vanilla flyer for five, and it would have had two blue in it, right? Yeah, I mean, and I would say, for, mate, based on like just
2: viewing the list in general, that minus four on the power for desperate parry. Really does seem to hit a sweet spot for a lot of those, you know, not absolutely at the top end, but moving towards the top end of the creatures that are in your cube, right? And especially with the fairies Mm -hmm. that seem to do have a lot of like the the power, like at least a couple higher than the toughness, if not one or two, this just Mm -hmm. seems to fit really nicely.
0: And what's really important is this is a wizard, so you could bounce this with your <laughs> laboratory, Riptide Laboratory. Yep. My three, four, five, yep, and hand. keep doing this desperate keep party. Minus fours? Yep. yeah. looks yep, good. Yep. Let's go.
1: So, I will make a cor- quick correction because I was apparently thinking of the wrong fairy lord. Obira is the, one of the women of the three, and I was thinking of the third one, which is the face of the precon. My mistake. Obira is the woman. My bad, because this card does remind me of it in her in the flavor text. But when it comes to weakened effects in cube environments is that they find really, really difficult places to fit in because of what they provide is usually not strong enough for what is being thrown at you. but in this environment, it is important for not only keeping aggro down in the early stages so that we can get to the point of playing a by's attendance but it is also not costing you a card to weaken. All it's costing you is tempo. But being able to pay to shut down somebody's attack for a turn can feel pretty good.
2: Beautiful blue effect. Absolutely. L- always happy to see something like that in blue where I can, mm-hmm. you know, a four-point life swing in the mid-game can be so significant, and then, you know, maybe in the next turn or two, I get to slam a big flyer of my own. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty happy about that.
0: Wait, I wanted
1: more relevant five-drop fairies and wizards, so look, here we are. This is exactly what I want. It's an adventure. It's a fairy. It's a wizard.
0: <laughs> let's pour right. one out for pacifism. Stu, would you mind taking this one away?
2: Yeah, so, um, yeah, pacifism. Whatever What what happened to you? So uh, this next one is cooped up. This is a, another common. And something else, I want to touch on this very quickly. The power of the commons and the uncommons in this set is just Absolutely off the charts. And this one, I think, is a great example of it. So, cooped up, one colorless, one white, enchantment aura, enchant creature, enchanted creature, can't attack or block. But it doesn't stop there. It also has two colorless and a white, exile, enchanted creature. This is... Uh, I mean, like you say, R- R.I.P. to pacifism. Like it's it's two colorless to shut down, or one co- sorry, two CMC, one colorless, one white to shut down two your opponent's. Two mana value, yeah, two CMC to shut down your most <laughs> your opponent's strongest creature or whatever you feel is the biggest threat. Like that's that's such great value for a card.
1: So the thing with this card is that I actually have a very specific replacement that I'm making here because of the amount of fairies that are getting introduced to the environment. Finally cooped up actually hits those fairies as the flavor suggests and i'm swapping it out for trapped in a tower which very specifically says non-flying creature can't attack our block and it's been a problem before where we white really wanted to answer some of those fairies so that way they can kind of keep up with their ground presence or slow down the game enough so that way they can get back to their uh payoffs right and cooped up is a really cool way of introducing that pacifism effect in a very flavorful way while also giving a mono dump for later to just get rid of the creature entirely. And what I really like about this is that it introduces a f- improved removal that I already have.
0: And yeah. it also plays into popper and Peasant environments. This card is very powerful. It, ha- it manages a lot of different threats. That's what I'm a huge fan of this, right? And also important mm-hmm.
2: to remember that it doesn't stop activated abilities. It doesn't stop tap Correct. abilities. It's not a rest. It doesn't nope. stop static arrest. abilities. Yep. You know, it does, something like that is still very relevant going back to, you know, those uh, reduction effects that are on some of the other fairies. So, But, uh, yeah, I agree. The, the fact that you can just play this for two and then exile it at will, right. uh, it's such a, a really cool effect. Let's talk about the next one. One, I'm actually going to go down to the to the other white card, and the reason why I want to talk about this is because the art is absolutely what I would Cute. expect to see. Unlike some old school Brothers grim fairy tales, it's book. very
0: John Terrell's cultic bestiary. Yes, it way, is. Right. Yes, it is. So tell us about this.
2: Is a saga? Is how many sagas do you have in Not- your fake cube? I was. Gonna, is this the? Fir- is this potentially the first one?
1: These. This is going to be one of the first sagas we're awesome. going to have in the environment. Sagas are something I've wanted to include it for so long because they fit the flavor and they're a mechanic that I'm interested in because they tie in that flavor. But there haven't been any sagas that match the thematic flavor of the Fake Cube and Eldraine coming back and bringing back these sagas for Eldraine felt so good. It felt too like it was too long. My only complaint is that there is a lot of sagas that involve tokens that I just don't want to bother with. So... <laughs> I I don't have a huge selection of Sagas that I'm adding, but I get to add a couple, and that makes my day. The Princess Takes Flight is two and a white for a Saga. As it enters, after your draw step, you can add a lore counter, sacrifice it after three, obviously the Saga thing. Uh, Exile to one target creature. Target creature you control gets plus two, plus two, and gains flying. And then return the exiled card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So... It does twofold things. You can use it to enable these ETB effects that you care about as a way to like slow flip flicker because blink itself is not what's the word I'm looking for. It is not aggressively supported like it is in a lot of cubes, but it is a thing that you can do but in a very slow fashion and Princess Takes Flight lets you take an advantage of that. Or you can remove an opponent's thing for a turn. And for a couple turns, actually, and it can be a really valuable way to just remove something that's a problem for the moment, while also giving you some offensive pressure. Plus, the art is just so good. The
2: art is incredible. And I will say, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that. I I looked, when I saw this card, I immediately looked at it as a card that I'm looking to exile and then bring back my own creature, Mm -hmm. which is odd because... I typically look at white as a very aggro centric deck, right? I'm trying Mm -hmm. to squeeze the damage in. I'm trying to play the, like the taxi creatures and the slightly undervalued creatures. So it almost makes more sense that when you play that, and you get to exile that creature when Chapter One resolves. That you are trying to exile an opponent's creature and trying to squeeze damage through. But for some reason, I'm still I'm still looking at this as I want to exile one of my own creatures. And maybe I'm just looking at within the scope of of, of your cube. And and like you say, mm. is it as supported? And maybe this is just better suited to a multicolored deck than the sort of the more mono whitey kind of you know hate bears or stacksy kind oh, of decks that I'm typically is. looking to draft.
1: When I'm looking at this, I'm thinking of the Champion decks, where Champion was a specific mechanic that came out with Lorwin where it is that slow flicker effect, where when your creature enters, you have to exile something of that type. Or with the case of some of the changelings, you just exile another creature. And when that creature leaves play, then you return that creature back into play. And I like it because it gives you that value assurance for some of your top end cards in a way that feels, what's the word I'm looking for? Fair, slow, because we'll, we'll I will like say fair. Blink as, We'll say fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like Blink as an archetype. It's not that I dislike Blink. It's just not the archetype that I'm looking to make very fast in the Fake Cube. The Fake Cube is a slow environment. I'm not looking for a bunch of cubes. I'm not looking for a bunch of ways to quickly flicker out a bunch of these ETB effects and get a bunch of value out of nowhere. I'm looking for that slow burn of. I could spend my mana to do creatures, I could spend my mana to do removal, and a lot of these micro decisions, and Princess Takes Flight really takes advantage of those player decisions because it has that modality built in.
2: And the fact that it's the third chapter versus the first chapter, right? You exile it in the first chapter, you now have to wait two more turns right it's not the next turns main phase it's the turn after that first main phase when you get that creature back so it is i think it does still fit the speed quite nicely because it is a little on the slow side i i don't know i i just think it's really really cool and only three mana so you now have You know, your second turn, maybe you don't have to play this on turn three. Maybe you play it on on turn four. You've got some good value creatures in that three-drop range that you can blink on turn four and then get back on turn five or six or turn six or seven, maybe. So, But either Mm. way, I think just the art and the style of the card and the fact that it does give you that sort of delayed value, I I think it's awesome. I love it.
1: I love it. Big fan of it. And I want to throw the uh,
0: proverbial curveball. It's more of the the on-the-spot question. As we move through Mm -hmm. these... Potential changes. Our cutoff for KubeCon 2023 is September the 12th, 2023. And as you're looking at this list, are you going to make immediate decisions or are you play testing prior to find out if these are going into the cube before September the 12th?
1: So, a lot of the cards that I'm deciding on fit roles that I already happen to need and take out cards that were already unimpressive. So, A big reason that I've been on the fence when it comes to immediately slapping in on the Wilds of Eldraine cards is that I don't like making immediate changes. I like to put them on the maybe board, think about it for a bit, and then come back to those changes in a month. However, a lot of it comes down to the looming pressure that CubeCon is going to be coming up soon. We have a hard cutoff of when our lists have to be submitted, and... When it comes to making these changes, I would rather have them sit in my maybe board, and I can digest them and kind of consider them. Maybe talk about it in Tumblr or in my blog post or whatever of kind of the things that I'm considering, get some feedback, etc. And normally, I make the playtest that I take playtest data and then make my decisions. This is going to be a case where I'm having to jump into a bunch of these changes because a lot of these changes fit very specific niches that I was needing for a long time.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm feeling the same pressure. I'm not changing Uber Bear's Horror Cube, but Uber Bear's Artifact Cube is getting some minor changes that we'll talk about in mm-hmm. a very future episode, or in a future episode. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, Early on, I said the weaponization of food, and I know that you said that sometimes the food cards did not align with your design philosophies, but I want to talk about the card, Welcome to Sweet Tooth, for one colorless and one green, you get for, I guess it's a saga again, you know, you got the sagas, you were excited about that, but number Mm -hmm. one was create a 1-1 white human creature token. Number two, All create right, a food token. To and then number three was the weaponization part that I was excited about, right? Actually does something with the food tokens besides the three life. Put X-1-1 mm. counters on target creature you control, where X is one plus the number of food tokens you control. The weaponization has now occurred. And I wanted to ask if I, early on in one of our original episodes, when we talked about the fake cube, you were testing a weaponization of the food package right Mm. finally you got a card that starts making this something besides gain three life what are your thoughts on this card
1: i'm super excited about it face value pay two get two different tokens that's so good it feels so good but having those two tokens be things that i'm actually already including feels even better and having that food payoff there is just the icing on the cake pun intended and Again, with sagas, I'm looking to add any of these sagas that I can. I'm still on the fence about whether or not I want to include roles just because token complexity, as we've mentioned before. But when it came to this saga, it was pretty much a slam dunk because it does three different things that I was needing. Where I needed more human creature tokens, I needed more food, and I needed a food payoff. This is all three built in one. This is exactly what I'm looking for. And it it's got a giant almost cake. makes me want to put Curious Pair back in because I have I've regretted taking Curious Pair out. That was it was easily one of my favorite cards in terms of aesthetic, but nobody was drafting it and I'm hoping that with inclusions like these Curious Pair might be able to make its way back in.
2: Okay. So. Well, at CubeCon I have an alternate art dated foil Curious Pair. You know, it had the alternate oh. art like the fairy art, like the, mm-hmm. I have one of those. It's yours, I will bring it. Oh. And it's cheap.
1: Because I love it. It's one of my favorite cards. It's a cool card. The
2: art is incredible.
1: It's so good.
0: So there was a card that you were super hype about in our uh, Discord. And it's Archive Dragon. Would you mind telling the audience why you were so just like ecstatic about this card
1: coming out, please? First of all, it's a Dragon Wizard. Mm -hmm. I needed a six drop for this slot so badly. I was scraping for cards. And I know exactly what I'm going to replace. I have everything already planned out for where it's going because I very specifically only had one six drop in this slot and it's been bugging me this entire time because of it's bad flavor. But this card is called Archive Dragon. It's four blue blue for a dragon wizard flying. It has flying ward two and when it enters battlefields, you scratch to. It is a four six body, which, you know, beautiful. Love that. But to give context for what I'm replacing, I'm going to be taking out my angler drake which is four blue blue creature drake flying when it enters the battlefield bounce target creature back to the owner's hand it's a four four angler drake's okay but it was never really flavor that i was happy with it was in there because of mechanical need but this introduces two types i actually care about in a way that i actually care about and it feels so good
0: and it has that pseudo protection that ward 2 is oh, yeah. perfectly acceptable. I love it's it. So ward good. 2, ward 3 is maybe my personal limit before it starts becoming quote unquote protection, it's right? And you want to be mindful right. of that. Hex We've proof. talked about that hexproof, right? We've talked about this over and over again. But this card's really neat, let you scry, so let you dig through your deck. I'm just I'm fascinated with this. I love this choice. The only thing I would have liked on it is flash. I'm getting greedy. If it had
1: flash, you are out of
0: your mind. There's no way this can have flash. I actually, uh,
2: I actually highlighted this card myself as well as, and I'm going to give a shout out to Samich, Chris Moore, our, our, um, pauper. Expert, peasant, peasant. pauper and peasant. And a cube
0: expert. Cube expert. Sammich makes my cubes better. He does.
2: As a potential in the peasant cube to replace another 6-drop that he has in his cube, which is Jetting Glass Kite, which is a similar card in that it's a 6-mana, double blue, 4-colorless flyer, but it also has, whenever it becomes the target of a spell or ability for the first time in a turn, counter that spell or ability. But I think the fact that it has this has ward 2, Kind of fills that yeah. in enough, but I really, really love the scry too. And one of mm-hmm. the things that I love about, I think scry is good across the board, right? But one of the mm-hmm. reasons why I think it fits just as appropriately on a big six drop as it does on a one drop by the time you're putting a six drop into play and this, you know, there's no soul ring, mana crypts, all that kind of stuff in the fake cube, not, like there is in the high powered cubes. When I'm playing this on turn six, I expect to have six mana. And at that point, I'm looking for action. I'm looking for the big splashy spells. I'm looking for the game changers. I'm looking for the game winners. I want to be able to scroll to and put a couple of lands at the bottom of my, of my deck, obviously, right? Yeah. So this now gives it gets me you gas. It gets me gas. That's all I'm looking for when I've got six mana. Is it's all mm-hmm. I want is gas. And this is a difficult to remove creature that hits very hard. That's got six toughness. is very very difficult to get off the battlefield and gives you a way to dig for, like you say, that additional gas. I absolutely love this card. And plus, not only is it a dragon wizard, it's a dragon wizard bookworm. Because it's like schmog. Mm-hmm. It's perfect it's
1: for this environment. Pile of books. It, this is the card that I saw, Anything. and I was like, this was made for me. It's it's. Incredible. I have this I like specific it. slot that I've been needing to fill, that I've had nothing to fill. It's, and this is both a dragon and a party member, and it scries. <laughs> ah, it's everything.
0: It's baby Nicol reading books. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, speaking of dragon wizards, I actually have a per curveball question for you. Mm hmm. That's right. Surprise. You thought you were going to give me all the curveballs this time. Mm -hmm. Another card that I've been considering adding that isn't from Wilds of Eldraine was Dragon Mage. So people who are experienced with the game probably know what this card is. But I'm going to go ahead and say it anyways. It's five red red for a five five Dragon Wizard Flyer. When it deals combat damage to a player, each player discards their hand and draws seven Mm -hmm. cards. I'm considering putting this in the Cube for a few different reasons. It can fit in the land dump red. Because it gives you a way so that we can just churn out a bunch of your lands out of your hand, get a bunch of value. It also gives you a lot of your tri- draw triggers for your Draw Matters cards. It's a dragon for your top end. It's also a party member. So it means that it's a great reanimation target with Thwart the Grave. And it's just a 5-5 five, five flyer for 7. And it pairs well with Riptab Laboratory. And it does. <laughs> it's like
0: 30 cents. Yeah. It really cents. fits. It gives it's you a, a wheel. It it gives you my you question wheel effect.
1: is, do yeah. you think that this is worth including in the yes. environment? Yes. I do. I, I, I do like I, wheel effects.
2: So you want to reload. Exactly. Yeah. I will say the reason why I like cards like this is because they are fun. Wheel effects are rarely unfun, in my opinion, unless I'm playing a, a deck where they haven't been able to cast spells, which at that point, if you haven't, it's kind of on you and you've just built a crappy deck or you've kept a mm-hmm. hand that you shouldn't. But wheeling effects are fun. I think they're Right? Excited. People yeah. like to have their hands reloaded, even if it's at the cost of whatever like- they might have in their hand. I think it's amazing. And yes, I would be fully supportive of you adding Dragon Mage. Yes.
1: Ditto. Great. Do it. Yeah, I'm all Dude, about seven, Having seven to two 12. dragon wizards, let's go. <laughs> yeah, it creates a whole... <laughs> exactly. creates a, it creates a dynamic.
0: And it? I would use this as a top end for an aggro or a gruel deck or a Spells Matter would want this to finish the mm-hmm. game off. Yes. There's a lot of reasons why this card would actually make sense to me mm-hmm. because I want to reload it my hand. It fits the environment. Yeah, yes. I agree. I think it's really neat. And it, it, something about like... Like you've got kind of this sub reading type effect with like the mm. cards that are doing that. That we talked about the baby Nickel a minute ago. It's just neat mm. to have cards that wheel, draw, learning, wizard. I like the kind of sub, I don't know. The intellectual dragons is kind of cool. Also think about so- the big red as well. Like how much mm-hmm. big red
2: do you have on like if I just wanted to draft a pure red or a red, maybe with a light splash where I was focused hard on I want to be able to even mulligan a little aggressively towards any kind of ramp, any kind of ability to play spells ahead of curve and mm-hmm. then be able to ultimately get this card out much earlier. It doesn't have to be turn two. I don't expect it turn two or turn three, but even if it's like turn four or even turn five, now I'm turning my big, big, splashy, powerful 5-5 five, five flyer into the ability to reload my hand. And I, I think will that- know. The
1: upcoming update that I'm going to be doing is that a lot of those early game creatures are going to be moved up the curve and playing big red has not been a deck that has come up yet, but it is a deck that I want to support and it will be easier to put together when this next update comes out because there are just a lot of good big red cards that are coming out with this that I am going to be include. Well,
2: let's so. well, let's talk about the next one, because I think the next one kind of fits pretty perfectly on this mm-hmm. big red, because it's just big, and it's red. <laughs>
1: <laughs> qualifiers
2: matter. That's my qualifiers. It's big, and it's red. Why not?
1: Bueller? I guess I'm saying it. Uh, yes, uh, It's called Bellowing Bruiser. It is four and a red for a creature ogre 4-4 four, four, with haste, but it has an adventure. You can pay two and a red to beat a path, sorcery speed up to two target creatures can't block this turn so while none of the creature types are relevant here this is another case where i've needed a five drop slot so bad that's just strong enough that it is good for the fake cube but also just weak enough that it's not going to completely take over the game this fits that role perfectly where it is just a four four hasty creature for red i need that so bad and earlier you can use it to just deny some blocks I love that. It may not have relevant types, but I'm willing to forgive it for that very, very good adventure.
2: I kind of wish that this was up to two target creatures can't attack or block this turn. A red fog? Uh, Yeah. You making cards up now? I'm making cards up. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> I tend to do that, but I, I, I kind of wish that balancing I had that matters because in the game I, of I'm magic trying ever. to be like, you know, getting <laughs> my, getting up to my five and six and seven mana. Um, but I think this is a cool card and I think Ogre is, um. He's, he's a favorite uh, uh, like creature type of mine. I
0: mean, if we're doing this, we're going to ask McDerby to continue with that red and green. We want a gruel fairy, right? I and mean, we're going to keep putting this wish in. You've already got no, the no, no, f- no, 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 no.
1: Is it fairy? I it, want my is it, is it fairy. That's what I want. I'm so begging for it. <laughs> Please it, give is me. It, a, is, it? is it legendary fairy? I want it. This It'll next be card. My thing. This
0: <laughs> next card is fantastic. So as you can, a lot of these are popper and peasant type. This is what's really great. This is as comment. we do the Fey Cube stuff, right? We're also hmm. giving advice to the pauper and peasant listeners to evaluate these cards. Mm-hmm. These modal spells are significant for those environments. I'm taking Credo. this next one it's so so good. Well, go ahead and I'm talk, talk about it because this thing is a tower. This, this art is
2: glorious. Love these. So first of all, the art. Look at the size of the dragon. The that's scaling on this card. It's so it's, great. It's nuts. So this is beanstalk worm. It is a it. four colorless one green creature plant worm plant worm right let's yeah, first of not, all digest right. that a little bit uh, no it's a 5/4 with reach but then it also has plant beans as a adventure sorcery you may play an additional land this turn i'm like i'm absolutely enamored with this card it's a rampy card that also has a gigantic 5/4 huge like Green d- dragon plant worm, sure, whatever you want to call it. It's it's awesome, it's rampant, it's and it's just a big creature it's that explore. I want to get into. play. It's kind of an it's explore
1: with a huge creature on top. Yeah. Like, what's not to love? It's pretty gross, it's amazing. I this is another card that felt like it was made for me. Yes. I, my five drop slot has been so difficult to fill for green because green needs scary four, three, four, five drops. Period, they they has to be scary at that point because that's when your ramp matters. And when we already have Beanstalk Giant, having Beanstalk Worm for that additional, hey, my adventures are also ramp cards is just so good. I love big, dumb creatures that ramp themselves. It's a proper, it's so good. It feels it's a, good to play.
2: Yeah, it's a real green card. It's a really, really, really green card. It's ramp and a big creature. It has it's, reach. It's just, it's wonderful. I love it so much. It's everything
1: much. I want and more.
0: All right, so I, I want to continue you. with this love, love, weaponization love. of food thing, right? We're going to keep pressing food. Food can be dangerous, right? Hollow Scavenger for two colorless and one Forest. You get a creature wolf, and it's a common again. This common peasant I'm thing telling you, is just are it's for control. a 3-2. It's a split card. It's an adventure here. But Bakery Raid for one Forest. You get a sorcery adventure. Create a food token. But okay. what can the Hollow Scavenger do? Exactly. Tell us about Sacrifice a food. Hollow Scavenger gets plus two, plus two until in the turn. Activate only once each turn. So you're looking at a five, four. This is really good if you sacrifice a food token. This is fantastic. I love everything about this. Kind of does your big, bad wolf type thing that you're looking for, I think, May. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So wolves are an important archetype in this game. It is a very important type of theme. And it has been one of the major meta contenders for a long time because of how we finally have a wolf that ties in the, our uh, food themes. But Hollow Scavenger is just a lot of things that I love. And it is a lot of things that I've experimented with. There was a wolf that I tried for a while back from AFR where it was just a 3 mana wolf, 2-2, two, two, and then you could drop mana and then it gets bigger. and But you can only do it once per turn. And... It's a thoroughly unimpressive mechanic for wolves, and it's unfortunately kind of that niche that they have in Limited, and this continues that theme while also introducing what I'm already supporting, giving me that food payoff, giving me another wolf, giving me more tokens... It does a lot of things that I like, and it is an auto include in this environment, even if it doesn't have party. It's just mwah, delicious. Chef's kiss.
0: The dark side of the moon, lots of mushrooms. We've got a storm killed Vanguard. It is a lightning viking riding a bear. <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but for four colorless and two forest. You get a creature, giant warrior. Makes more sense when it's giant warrior, I suppose. Right. Six, seven on the one side. And then we have a sorcery on the other side, as we do with the adventures, which makes them great. Bear down, which is fantastic, right? Bear down. That's like... it's like You love this because it I says do. bear. I do. this is, I, I call bear. dibs on this one. <laughs> bear. But sorcery adventure, destroy target enchantment, so you get a naturalized effect. But sorcery speed, which is fantastic. But storm vanguard can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less a 6-7. That is nuts. It's a big creature. It is big. It's a big creature Love with a it. good effect. Especially, like, now
2: you're putting in some sagas, right? So now being able to destroy an enchantment is starting to get a little bit more relevant in the cube. So now you have a card that has the ability to do that and has this gigantic 6-7.
0: Monstrous, right? Thor That's got writing be- Paddington for no reason whatsoever. It's pretty great. That is that is not Paddington. Paddington <laughs> yeah. never looked like that. Okay, let's let's be real. And it's
2: like Peter Pan is like running away.
1: <laughs> Any time that we can have a naturalized effect, main deckable, it is something worth. It's wonderful.
0: That's yeah. what adventures because actually give you, right? They give you main deckability yeah. of these yeah. metal cards. Yeah. I love that so mm-hmm. much.
1: It's so difficult having. A bunch of these cards that you need to answer a bunch of these scarier cards and scarier artifacts, enchantments, etc. You need to have the answer. But main decking it does not feel good. And when you have something like these adventures where you could just tack it on, it feels better. Because the top, the creature side of this is so good on its own that I'm genuinely excited for it. And a specific note that I'll make with this card is while it may not be wolves or elves like the rest of green... It is a warrior, which is a Gruul subtype at the moment that has popped up a sev- several times. And having another warrior top end that's just hard to deal with that can close a game is exactly what I need from that slot, even though it's hotly, hotly contested slot.
2: It takes what I would consider to be potentially a sideboard card, right? Because there's plenty of times when ah, maybe not quite as worried about artifacts or enchantments out there, but it takes a card that has an ability that I would like to have main deckable, but I'll be happy to put in the sideboard to make sure my deck is more refined. Now I have the ability to have that effect in my main board, as well Mm -hmm. as a significant threat that's on the other side. And this is another reason why I keep talking about these cards that either have repetitive value or have multiple ways to get value, right? So it's only two Mm -hmm. mana, destroy an artifact or an enchantment. Doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you've put like a pacifism effect. Maybe you've got a rampart effect. There's there's enough of that in your cube, I feel, that really makes this relevant. It's sorcery speed, who cares? But now I've got that in an adventure. It's sitting up there waiting for me to get to six mana to put this absolutely gigantic Thor wielding uh Uber Bear with, you know, just destroying Peter compared. Pan's dreams. It's definitely not Paddington Bear. But it's a, it's, and it's not even a cute bear, but it's a cool-looking bear. I just absolutely love this card. Love it very, very much. I
0: think it's awesome. I think it's great. May, this next one, is another. Pe- this is another one that I want to kind of flag for the peasant listeners, right? We've gotten a lot of requests lately for peasant and pauper episodes. It's yes. It's come up more times than not. Very popular. And our good friend, Chris, a.k.a. Samich, he's our expert. We're going to have him on a future episode to talk about and deep dive into this. But as we see these cards... It's so neat to me to look at the Fey Cube and see so many cards that are getting evaluated for Popper and Peasant simultaneously, right? While talking about these cards, I think this card actually qualifies and falls neatly into that Peasant-type environment. This is,
2: uh, and I will say, before we dive into this, right? Because I can see how May is salivating about talking about this card. This, for me, is one of my potentially like most power picks, right? Not just in this cube, but in, in like the potential to be so impactful in a lot of other cubes and potentially other environments. May just take it away. I know how much you, you're you looking like you love this one.
1: It's so cute. It's an otter <laughs> wizard. <laughs> Plus, I have a specific story for this. Well, right? let me ask you first so, of all,
2: is this the first otter in the fey cube?
1: Yes. Perfect. Yeah, and I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> But I actually have a specific story related to this card, believe it or not. Okay. So on Twitter, I actually proposed a card idea, and I, th- I would still like it to come into fruition, where I suggested two mana fairy, where the front side of the fairy was a one red flyer, can't block one one, right? And then the s- adventure side was a sorcery speed uh shock. Okay. And... I let me just say that I still want that card. I mm-hmm. still want me a fairy adventure that is in red. <laughs> that just, hey, it's a shock on one side and a flyer on the other. Love that. And it's interesting because immediately when I saw this card, I was like, this is pretty close to the idea. To the kind of thing that I'm wanting for this deck, and if I can get more of these cards, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna grab them all up. <laughs> but the fact that this is a cute otter on top of that is just, mm, it's called frolicking familiar. Since I've been procrastinating this long, <laughs> it's two and a blue for an otter wizard, flying two two. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, it gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Which you know we love wind drakes that very with strong our value. Songs, we we love it. Yeah. Adventure side is blow off steam, pay one, deals one damage to any target at instant speed getting this
2: early love that it's it's so incredible getting it early dealing that one damage to again that value creature again like oh what's that you've got a fairy that's reducing your instant and sorcery spells sure would be a a shame if someone blew steam off on that creature and then i have a
1: lot of one toughness creatures oh a lot of one toughness creatures being added
2: yeah exactly so this that adventure side is incredibly impactful in the cube. And again, these these flyers that have this residual repetitive value, plus one, plus one, like it starts as a 2-2. Two, two. Suddenly you've cast one. Now it's a 3-3. Three, three. Now this is becoming not just an early game significant advantage. Now this one card is representing a significant threat as well. And this is why I think cards I like this are so strong. I love it. I do.
0: Love it. What do you think, Bear? It's not a bear. Let's start
1: there. Paddington. It's an otter. What do you
0: think, Paddington? You feel like I ought to like it? What do you think, Paddington? <laughs>
1: you ought to like it. How dare you.
2: <laughs> I don't know how good this card is. A little out of bounds. <laughs> All right. So we let's move into Anthony.
0: Pick up Ruiner. Here. I'm <laughs> I'm not even gonna let him finish. This is I'm so hyped. These are so May's got cards picked out, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna just steal the spotlight for just a second. We're gonna turn the camera away from the fake cube and talk about some of these cards that i love picnic ruiner for one colorless and one mountain you get a creature goblin rogue it's a 2-2 on one side and then we got the adventure on the other side let's open up with the adventure stolen goodies for three colorless and one forest you get a sorcery adventure distribute three plus one plus one counters among any number of target creatures you control Love that! Like any kind of it. interesting. Oh God, it's fantastic, right? <laughs> and then whenever Picnic Ruiner attacks, while you control a creature with power four or greater, Picnic Ruiner gains double strike until the end of turn.
2: This is the treasure goblin from like Diablo three, Diablo four. It's like this, and I will say it's a really, really creepy looking goblin. It's a with a, red cat. a basket. It, it's stolen. Yeah, I mean, it's a red cat, but it's stolen. This basket of, you know, whatever from this picnic. and uh, It is the Yogi Bear it's, it's, of goblins. It's creepy. Goblins. I knew you were going there. Yeah.
0: yeah, 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 yeah. But hey, boo-boo. <laughs> How about we do some picnic baskets? <laughs> this is fantastic. I love everything about this card. It's fantastic. Oh, I, oh, I would love
1: auto-include for the fake
0: obviously. I would be interesting to note that the
2: adventure card being four and the creature only being two is always interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Right, So you've got this... Not expensive, but four mana on the sorcery side. It's only distributing three plus one plus one counters, which is not insignificant, can actually be very significant, especially in green. But the creature itself is only two mana and it's, it's got, it's quite significant, right? So two power with the double strike. I mean, again, going back, Gruul. How aggro is Gruul in your cube, right? Because I feel like we're not talking as much about the archetypes, but tell us a bit about Gruul and how aggro you feel Gruul is and where this fits in with the potential Gruul aggro package.
1: So what's interesting about Gruul and its place in the environment right now is that it sits somewhere between the aggro and mid-rangey stuff where it is trying to generate value by turning sideways and doing its thing. And while Gruel Goblins has come up once or twice, most of it has been because of Grumgully, non-human creatures, whatever, or with the Impromptu Raid type of decks have been experimented with a little bit. But what I like about this card is that I already run Hunting Triad, which is just four mana, make three green elf warriors, whatever. But it reinforces for three, also for four to put three counters on one creature. This does the same thing, but can spread those counters. So, it's already in effect at that same mana value that I already have. So, it is not that far-fetched to include in my environment, but its face value of just being a Goblin Road for 2-2 is just so good, and it's so easy to get a creature with powerful or greater and give it double strike. It's just, oh, everything I'd want from a multicolored adventure card.
0: This is really cool for the peasant curators, right? I mean, it's an uncommon. But the one thing that I was a little saddened about is that it has to say you control. So, which leads me to the next card I'm going to talk about. But when I first saw this card in my two-headed giant cube, I have a lot of, you know, support your team type stuff, right? And proliferation. And I want to distribute distribute counters on your partner. But in this case, it isolated it to yourself. So, it didn't make it into that environment for me. But I would like to see our good friend Samich consider Testing this card out in his peasant environment because it's very powerful, and I mean you can make essentially a you could prep a five five in so many words, right? For sure. The rule that has double strike. This yeah. card, this card is bonkers, which leads me into my next card. When I was going through the uh, Wildsville Drain list, and I got a little greedy because I was looking at maze editions, but I wanted to pick my own. This card was for my two-headed giant cube, and anything that says two-headed hunter is an auto-include for me, right? And for four <laughs> colorless really and day. one mountain, you get a creature giant, and it's a 5-4. We got a, We basically have an adventure again, which With I love. With Menace. It. With Menace. But twice the rage. For one colorless and a mountain, you get target creature gains double strike until the turn, which plays into that two-headed giant aspect. Absolutely. Shout out to Chill, who's going to be on my team when we go to KubeCon. Dream on. Okay. And on the other side, you get a 5-4 <laughs> Menace just giant. It's fantastic. I love everything about this card. It does what I wanted to do. I wanted Picnic Ruiner to do that, and it didn't quite pull it off for me because I wanted to distribute the counters. But when I saw these two cards and I put them side by side, that was the dream, which leads me up to this next card that I'm also going to steal that May put on her list. But when I saw it, I'm like... Oh, my God. Why is this not Jund? I would put this in my metal cube. We day, share this day. as
2: like a standout card. Mm. I love this one. All
0: right. Go ahead and take it. No, cards. it's on your list. You take we're going to argue over this card. This card's sick. Shrouded Shepherd for one colorless and a plains. You get a creature spirit warrior. Another adventure, right? A 2-2 on the one side, which we'll talk about in a second. The other side, the adventure. Cleave Shadows for one Colossus and a Swamp. Creatures your opponent's control get minus one, minus one until the end of turn. Such an amazing effect. Only two mana with a card that has a 2-2. Two, two. And it's a Spirit Warrior. It's, it's just it's so it's, good for only two it's mana. And it's uncommon so. for the Peasant And it's player. uncommon, yeah. Shrouded Shepherd enters the battlefield. Target creature you control gets plus two, plus two until the end of turn for a 2-2. Two, two. The reason why... I love this card as I'm looking at it for twofold. I'm considering this for Uber bears horror cube. I did not catch this may added this to her dream list that she asked the fairy godmother for and got it. Right. But yep. for me, I'm looking at this completely different. Like it's a spirit warrior this art is sick and maybe the minus one, minus one would kill a bunch of spirits. So I might actually have an update for Uber bears. Horror you have got
2: to stop strengthening the spirits because that used to be my like easy three O deck mm-hmm. that I would draft out of, um, out of that cube. And now everybody knows how strong the spirits are. And I'm not able to three O as consistently as I used to be able to. So I, I'm on the fence about this one. I love it, but it might cut into my win condition because everybody now knows how good spirits are.
0: The real question is why is this not Jund? This would go in my Munson cube all day. I mm-hmm. don't have an answer for that. Lords of Metal. Oh my I don't God. have an answer for that. All right, that. May. You Let's put this on to- your li- May put this on her list. I stole it from her. May, why were you considering this
1: card? Uh, my two drop slots for white is very, very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Lacking. And it comes to finding relevant warriors and whatnot that are just strong enough for the environment, but not too strong, that they uh, are oppressive in the case of, say, Charming Prince, right? Great card, fantastic flavor, but what it does is so modal, so powerful, etc., that it kind of pushes what all the other two drops are doing to some extent. Shrouded Shepherd is exactly what I need to fill that role. It has an ETB, it increases your damage, and it's a 2-2 Spirit Warrior. It's your party, it has something worth flickering, and it has another built-in board wipe for all those little one-wonder, uh, goblins, fairies, elves, etc., that you can just clear the board at sorcery speed.
2: That's so fascinating to me, and I want to ask you to expand on that a little bit. Has that been a, a, a problem a lot of times when you've been evaluating cards for your cube? Is that a specific white problem that you're struggling to find cards that fit within a particular cmc that you're looking for not because they're too weak but maybe more of a white issue that those two uh or those maybe even just low cmc creatures that it has been difficult to find cards that fill those slots in your cube because generally they're just a little bit too strong
1: definitely and plus once we start adding flavor into one of the conditions there were a lot of cards where it's just like hey this card would be pretty good but it it doesn't do anything for the flavor what
2: about other colors what about other like is how exclusive is that to white is it not at all or is it primarily with white but you have found it with other colors or you know what sort of the you know how difficult have you found it with other colors compared to white
1: white has had it the hardest time
2: the hard okay that makes sense it's
1: had the hardest time I've had more than enough in all the other colors that I can just pick and choose whatever I want versus why I've had to have like hand select what is just strong enough to include in the environment that's flavorful, that's interesting, that fits some specific roles. But there's a lot that don't fit my favorite flow file or they don't fit the power profile that I'm looking for. And it has been very, very difficult to find party members for that two drop slot that fit what I'm looking for. And this is exactly what I need for that slot. Yeah.
0: so what about our next card here that's kind of the I guess we'll call it the spirited companion on uh, enhancers and it's a woodland acolyte. may, do you mind taking this one away? This card is insane.
1: so I'm actually going to contest you a little bit while yes, it's creature type uh, while it's creature side is another one of those three mana entrance battlefield draw card effects it actually can be played as a selesny card specifically as a 4 mana eternal witness and that's something that people might not consider at first glance because you can instant speed play it pay one put target permanent card from your graveyard on top of your library for its adventure side and that by itself is already a re- that's already an effect that i'm interested in it gives you something to play around with with mill it gives you something that you can play around with scry effects etc there's a lot of things that care about what's what you're going to mill, what's on the top of your library, what's worth protecting, et cetera. There's a lot of ways that you can interact with it. Works real
2: well with Coop Top, as we talked about earlier. Right? Exile the creature, put the Coop Top back on top of your library, draw it again, Coop Top another one of your creatures?
1: Question mark? What?
2: So Coop Top.
1: Are you you referring to the... It's the enchantment
2: that allows you to exile a creature. So you can play Coop Top... So a, an opponent's creature can't attack or block. Then you can right. exile it. Coop's up goes to your graveyard, and then you can play the uh, Mend the Wilds from Woodland Acolyte. Put that back on top of your library. Draw it. Play Coop's up again on one of your opponent's creatures.
1: Rip your aggro. That's cool synergy. We're breaking. And your that's something queue. that I'm excited to explore. <laughs> so Woodland <laughs> Acolyte is a two and a white creature for Human Cleric enters the battlefield. Draw a card. Two two. And it's a it's an effect that we already have in Tros at this point. And having that reclaim on one side and the ECB draw card on the other, both those effects I like. Both of those effects on their own I've considered putting in. I've tried putting in reclaim. I already have the spirited companion. I've tried doing the dwarf one that gains you a life. These are already things that I've wanted to do. But having both of those stapled on the same card is so perfect for me. And I love this card. It is so good. I'm so glad that I'm including it. Plus, it's a cleric. I can't stress enough how hard it is to find clerics that match the flavor of this environment. (laughs) And
0: it's uncommon for you peasant players. This is yet another card that's powerful and peasant, right? I mean, it just... Yeah, it just is. Yes. Kind of does the EWIT effect or reclaim effect and the doggo effect. It's fantastic. This next one, Stu is salivating, literally, to talk about this card that May has put on her list. So this
2: is three bowls of porridge, two colorless for an artifact food, and you get to pay two colorless and tap it to choose one that hasn't been chosen. And it's literally too hot, too cold, just right. It's, first of all, three balls of porridge deals two damage to target creature, too hot, or tap target creature, too cold, or sacrifice three balls of porridge and you gain three life. That is just, just right. right. Mm. <laughs>
1: Love that. <laughs> Love to see it. These,
2: flavor-wise, one of our friends in our group, Nathan, was absolutely about this card from a flavor perspective, and I think it's absolutely incredible i think thematically it's just it's beautiful it's got the the one of the things i love about it it's got three bowls of porridge except one of the three bowls is in a bowl that's carved like a chicken yep Let's <laughs> just leave that out there for five <laughs> seconds and everybody who's listening go go uh you know go to your chosen uh you know card whatever you you know look scryful. at for and go look at the art and one of the bowls is a chicken which one's it- just right the chicken, the chicken, the, t- the chicken <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, love this card. Tell us, like you're you're putting this in your cube, right? Tell me. Oh, absolutely, are. I am. What What does this do? What does this do in your cube?
1: Oh, it does so much. I love having artifacts that have these shocks or removal effects tacked on. I already run like scalding told cauldron, moon glove extract. I already run these types of artifacts, burn cards, and. What's cool about this card in particular Get our red effect to deal damage, our blue effect to tap something down, or our, I'll just say, green effect of just right gain three life, right? And having that, all three of those mechanics stapled onto a food card just feels so good. And having all three of these modes all feel relevant for my environment. It can slow down the game, it adds an additional removal piece, and two, shock is king when it comes to peasant peasant in low-powered environments. Yes. And it's important to keep that in mind when you're assessing cards like these, because being able to deal two damage is a lot more relevant when a lot of your creatures are have two toughness.
2: A lot of those fairies. A lot of those lot fairies, of fairies have two toughness. Yeah, I I'll, I'll love it. Flavor, awesome.
1: Uh, Cruel Somniphage is our next one, and I'll try to keep this short, where it is one and a black for a Nightmare. Tower and toughness are equal to the number of creature cards in all graveyards, and it has sorcery speed, can't wake up. One blue... Target player mills four cards. I'm in need of more mill cards. This was a card that I've been considering because, let's face it, its flavor is not fantastic for the fake cube. This screams Ashiok, it screams uh, horror, nightmarish, etc., which is not that far removed from, like, Lorwyn, right? But this is a cool kind of tie-in for our mill themes. It has another mill thing tapped on, and... Unless its price gets higher, it fills a very niche mechanical role that I happen to need in my environment. So I'm willing to include it, even though its subtypes aren't particularly relevant. So,
0: Yeah, so this is game. one of the cards that I actually considered for Uber Bear's Horror Cube for KubeCon 2023. However, target player mills four cards. So I've pulled back from the mill, unless you have to, to self-mill. So that was... I wanted to discourage that because I didn't want to include that in my environment. So, I, this is very fey oriented. But Anthony's not. the mill fun police. Yeah. Is I basically I what I'm saying. Yeah. The, yeah it got abused. Boo. It got abused. And I really want it to be self mill. So, there's that. The next one I do want to talk about before we come into closing is Ariet's. Ariet's. Ariet's tempting, tempting apple, apple for four colorless legendary artifact food. And it's an uncommon, again, peasant players. When Ariat's Tempting Apple enters the battlefield, gain control of target creature until the end of turn. A threaten effect that is colorless. That's insane. Untap that creature, it gains haste until the end of turn. And you can pay to tap it, sacrifice Ariat's Tempting Apple, you gain 3 life. Or you can pay to tap it, sacrifice Ariat's Tempting Apple, opponent loses 3 life. I might have to look at this for Uber Bear's Artifact key. Pretty insane for a theft or... F- yeah, for a theft I miss effect. this card. I miss this card. Right. This is fantastic.
1: Yeah. I feel like a lot of people did. Yeah, A colorless threaten effect for four mana is fantastic. That is yeah. a good rate for colorless that you can slam in any color. Because typically <laughs> yeah.
0: you play three.
2: One red, two color. We'll actually do this effect for both three and four mana. But the fact that you get this at colorless and with two additional abilities they're not like hit a creature which i feel would be almost obnoxiously overpowered certainly in any kind of low power i mean at uncommon it would be ridiculous but i still feel that like this it is, is very very powerful that's what i said at uncommon it's i think ridiculous. at uncommon it's like certainly if you could hit creatures with this at, un- at
0: uncommon oh, yeah. this is
2: this that would be completely obnoxious so
0: it's to the face i actually so the gain three life does the whole food fulfillment, right? Which exactly. is neat. But yeah. then the, the pay two tap, sacrifice areas, tempting apple, target opponent loses three life. That's, yeah. That it's very is strong. nasty. Bolt to the face. Yep. That's really good. Love it. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to add this to Bear's artifact cube. It's nuts. It's a good card. You better but have not ways a lot to get else it to back. say with it. Yeah. No, it's just fantastic, splashable, and everything. It's insane. May, do you want to talk sure. about
1: these last two? Yes, I will try to make it short and sweet because we're getting close on time. Uh Hornlock Whale is just a four blue blue whale, six, six, flash uh, two when it enters the battlefield, it enters the battlefield tapped unless it's your turn. It also has an adventure, obviously, uh, one in a blue instant speed, T- the owner of target attacking creature you don't control puts it on top of the bottom, top or the bottom of their library. And it's interesting because I already run Sorko Serpent for this kind of role. It is a very adjacent card, and it'll add more density. And I already know what I'm going to replace with it. I have a card Waker of Waves. I'm pretty sure it's still in here. Nope, I cut Waker of Waves already. But it's going to be a good density. I need I need another just big dumb top end creature. It has Ward. We like Ward on our top end blue creatures. Not a lot a lot else to add. Uh, and the next one is Pawn Shield Hair, which is one in a white for a rabbit. Creature tokens you control get plus one, plus one, and it's two, two. And it has an adventure again where it's one green for sorcery speed. Target creature you control gains vigilance and plus X, plus X until end of turn where X is the number of creatures you control. So like I mentioned before, my two drop slot for white has been very, very rough. And the fact that this can tie in all of our token themes into one deck Mm, love it I love whenever I can just get hey tokens matter I'll just stapled onto a card the hair rising it, it's it's pretty good, but mostly I'm playing it for i'm putting it in for that creature the fun. two matter
2: effects so. is very strong like very very oh, yeah. strong and that and the adventure side is this card no. is
0: really cool
1: good card L- love this card
0: so we're kind of moving over to the final thoughts here now, right? And mm-hmm. May, this has been kind of your journey to KubeCon. You've got until September the 12th to make your decisions on what the new hot and piping flashy cards that you're going to add yep. to the fake cube, right? No pressure. But my no question pressure. for you is out of this long list of popper, peasant and rare cards that we just kind of went through also fit the popper and peasant specifically as we talked about it mm-hmm. is high take cards. My question for you is how many of these you think are actually going to make it into the fake Cube prior? What percentage, if you had to put a number to it?
1: So all the cards that I've mentioned, I want to slot in. As far as the percentage of the cards that we've gone through from just considering to guaranteed, I would say probably 80% of the cards that we've listed are going in. Like, the only ones that I can name off the top of my head is the Tegwell Scouring, because it hit $5, it's probably not going to come down. Like I said before, with Cruel Somniphage, it's in there because it fills a very important role, but it doesn't really fit my flavor conditions. And if it ends up uh, not being able to fit into my two drop slots, I'm not going to try to force it in. trying to think of anything else off the top of my head that might not make it in. Maybe Obira's Attendance. Oh, Into the fake Court was one of the big ones of I want to fit it in. I want to put a slot for it. But whether or not it makes the final list, we'll see.
0: Because of the tokens I'd say
1: around 80%. Yeah
2: how concerned are you with the wizard subtype with riptide laboratory like how much of a consideration have you put with the fact that now you've got all these cards that have both of the creature types with a land that obviously gives so much extra value how much concern has that been for for building the cube
1: my only concern would be if i need to introduce more land removal because if wizards end up if Wizards do end up becoming a real archetype and a real thing that can enc- encourages so many different avenues, with even within the same colors, that any time that I can expand what people are drafting, it's going to feel good. And I think Riptide Lavatory has the potential to open up new avenues for Wizard decks.
0: All right. So we're going to move over to our socials. This is,
2: we're recording this, it's August 2023. As you all should know by now, it is CubeCon in Madison, Wisconsin, October nineteenth through twenty-second. Uh over there at I don't what's the name of the con that it's at? I don't quite Game know. GameholeCon. Game HoleCon. At GameholeCon. I don't know if there's tickets there left. There are no more tickets. There's no more tickets. So if you didn't get one We'll see you in 2024. If you did, we're excited. We'll see you guys there. We're super excited. Best but event Make sure of the you year. check out
0: the Cloud Goat Ranger, which is the live feeds they're going to be doing of the featured cubes. That's true. Twitch.tv. That it's going, going to be Goat interesting. Ranger. Oh, yeah. It's going to be amazing.
2: So if you love the show, we would truly appreciate it. Give us a five-star review on your chosen uh, podcast uh, player. We also have an uh, affiliate with Sleeves. Go check us out over there at... Aldersteve.com slash ubercube get five percent off your purchase. If you want to support the show, you can also use our inked gaming affiliate link to go get your playmats, dice bags, mouse pads, uh all kinds of cool products over there. Uh you can also reach out to us via Twitter. We are at Ubercube MTG Pod, or if you want to email us as our patrons did, left us some lovely comments. We are ubercube mtgpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, come hang out with us on Discord. Hashtag uh, UberCube, all kinds of cool stuff. Lots of new people coming and joining on. And as I've mentioned before, uh-huh. please come check out our, uh, our Deckbos channel, which I'm very excited about.
0: And Anthony, I'm actually not, ma- tell us about that Patreon. Thank you, Preston. And thank you, Sam. <laughs> and and uh, we do actually do love our patreons this is fantastic if the patreons have stuff they want us to talk about during these episodes feel free to email us messages us over discord etc and we'll be glad to do that in addition to we'd love to join up and play with you sometime we want to make sure that we're doing everything that you uh are looking for in our show and more and other than that we're going to say the thing that we always say here at Ubercube is happy cubing. cubing wildsville drain let's go